Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today I've got a real treat for you. My dear friend, Carnage the Executioner. He's a fellow Crush Kill artist and hands down one of the greatest hip-hop performers alive. Easily. So we're going to talk about what makes a great performer and how we got into this music thing. Check it out. You just want to check, check a little something. Don't front. Don't front, front. Front. That nice. working? Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So first of all, um, I did lose my voice on the tour, so I'm going to sound a little weird. But uh, happy to have my guest, the man in the sunglasses indoors. <laughs> I'm just wearing them so I can feel more cool. Okay. I'm trying to relax. You gotta have have the right vibe <laughs> nah, I'm for the so interview. I'm taking, these, I'm taking these off. <laughs> I feel like those other idiot idiot rappers I see at shows, doing shows where it's super dark in the room and, and they got like a bunch of gold teeth. Yeah, and a whole bunch of gold on and chains and shit and sunglasses. I'm I like, had a, a guy come up to me after a show once and be like, "Yo, you were really good, but like, where's, where's your chain?" Teeth? Right. I was like, what? Where's your teeth? Where's your chain? Where are your sunglasses? Where are your bitches? Where are your hoes? Seriously, I need backup dancers. I Where need your an entourage. Holes? I need S1Ws. Dude, wait a minute. Hold on. S1Ws are cool. <laughs> no, you I'm not saying? saying they're bad. I'm just saying. Right. Now, I'm, you don't I'm need alone. those. No, you need stage holes. That's okay. different. All right. S1Ws are legitimate. If you get some of those, you're not making a mistake. Okay. But if you get some stage holes, then it's like, man, what are you doing? I need three hype men. Yes. You know what I should do? I should just put it in my rider now. I won't even bring them. I'll just <laughs> I'll just make you include the hype man. The hi- yes, that's the about what it is these days, you know, <laughs> like artists showing up without their instruments like, "Yo, can you get me an instrument?" It's like I can't show up without my voice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that I have to have that when you're I not come gonna, to do my show. You're not going to come without your loop station. Well, one time yeah. it was funny that I I had um I sent the rider to somebody. Oh, are we just getting in? Because, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going I, for it. I sent my rider, my tech rider, to mm-hmm. somebody at a venue. And um, I was there for a while. I had had my stuff already, you know, whatever. And then the woman comes to me. She goes, man, I'm having such a hard time finding these loopers in this vocal processes that you asked for. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, nah, that was me telling you that that's what I have with me, like you, <laughs> you know. You just need a couple of cables. I just need that's two all. cables, yo. But it was funny that she thought that, you know, because that's what they're used to. They're that's used nice to of them to, to go out and try to acquire that. But yeah, that's that's not how it should be no, done. No, no. But it's funny because that's what people ask for. They come up and show, basically show up and be like, I need my legs. You need to get me some legs. I remember like, playing with bands back in the day and they'd be like, yo, can we use your guitar stack? I'm like, that is $3,000 worth of gear right, <laughs> right there. Like. No. Man, no, you can't use are you that. serious? <laughs> like you, you really showed. Like you have one at the crib, but you really showed up because you just knew I was gonna let you use mine, right? Yeah. That's when you say, "Fuck no." I had a dude break the headstock on my guitar during one of his songs because his like his string broke or whatever, and he asked if he could use mine, and I was like, "No, no fucking way." And he gets back on the mic and he's like, "Anybody, anybody have a guitar?" And like the openers had left, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "Fuck." You better not destroy this. This is my Gibson, you know. Handed it to him. He broke it. Cracked the, the headstock. Never paid me for it. I'm, and how much does that run? 
I mean, the repair was not that much. It was only a hundred bucks, but it's a twelve hundred dollar guitar, you know. Dude, a hundred bucks is like, you know, two tanks of gas and dinner with you and your wife. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that's a lot of motherfucking money. Yeah. So don't just yeah, say no, only a hundred. No, I'm, I mean, I'm saying that now relative to right, the cost right, right. of the instrument. When, when it happened, you was like, "I'm going to kill this." Years dude. ago, but uh, yeah, anytime I'd see somebody who like mentioned his name, I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, you're that's the dude I need to kill." Like, yeah, tell him he owes me eighty bucks. Tell him I'm gonna fucking murder him when I see him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, um, so here we are on the world has no idea tour, aka faith and idea, faith and idea tour, and. Um, yeah, we've had some changes in, in booking and branding and things, but we've been out here having some great shows. You know, yes. A lot of fucking enthusiastic, loving crowds. To say the least. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I just wanted to, you know, I had you on the podcast last year, and we talked a little bit about Mike and your experiences with, you know, E&A. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'd like to just talk about you and, you know, dig into... Uh, some of your experience because you've been at it for a long time um too long right obviously (laughs) i mean some could say about either of us i guess but we've been good friends for a while now and um i just think that uh that people would really like to hear your your stories man like um you said you got into hip-hop in 87 is that right no i started uh, rapping in 87 you started rapping i got into hip-hop before that okay so i was i was 13 when i started writing lyrics Nice. And that was in 87. And, um, I mean, I got into it when I heard it and I knew what it, I was like, I didn't know that that's what it was. I didn't know it was like, oh, this is called hip hop. I yeah. heard it and I was like, what the fuck? I heard Run DMC and, and, um, uh, uh, Herbie Hancock. I heard Rocket. Mm. And, um, and then I saw Breaking shortly after that. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, this is What the was the first shit. album you bought? First, you I mean, well, first. I mean, first rap tape. album. First yeah. tape I ever owned, and mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how I got it, but the first tape I ever owned was uh, Thriller, actually. Yeah? Yep, Thriller. And then um, and then I had Thriller vinyl. I had it on vinyl. So I had the tape and the vinyl. Nice. And, and, you know, how are you supposed to have that at, at like, nine years old? I can't tell you how I got it. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember buying it. Um, I was a pretty you, good. You, you did have a line about stealing tapes from Kmart. Once. I was I was a thief, <laughs> so I probably like either like hustled it from somebody or I stole that shit. But yeah. I had the the first two you know releases I ever had that were musical that I owned myself were two Michael Jackson you know the the tape and, and the, you liked and the it record. so much you bought I it loved again. Michael Jackson dog or I stole it or yeah, some or shit whatever. I loved it so much that I had both mediums. That's awesome. And I don't remember. You know, I don't. Let me see. What was the first tape I had? The first hip hop tape I bought. The first hip hop tape I actually bought was Fat Boys Crushing. Mm. Second cassette I bought was L's Bigger and Deffa. Mm. First cassette I bought was Fat Boys Crushing. Rugged minimalistic beats and mad noise loving. Started staring at blank paper and picturing letters. Yeah. You know, so, R.A. had rapped the same thing. That his his dad bought him the Fat Boys tape. Yeah. That was his first rap record. That's like a lot of, like, my age, that's like a super big introduction for a lot of us. Because it was like, it was it was like one of the first big commercial releases. Because they had that song, too. They had that song that, uh, it wasn't The Twist. It was one before that. Uh, they had like a, uh, I think it was the Do, do The Twist. They, they had a hit song on there that was like a, a commercial hit. So that tape was readily available because they had a commercial hit. 
And then plus they were just popular because everybody fucking loved beatboxing. Yeah. You know, like it was like the new thing. So that tape came out and a lot of people got that and I heard it and I was like, I, did, I didn't want it because of the the fucking hit record, but that's how I knew about it because that's how I, I had already known about Fat Boys actually. So now we're going to oh, talk okay. about the Fat Boys for 20 minutes. Well, yeah, okay. Whatever, man. So um, I had heard the human beatbox and like, you know, Fat Boys, the, their their theme song. And um, all you can eat like these were all big songs because back then, you know, if they had a record with seven or eight songs on it, like seven of them were singles. You yeah, know? It, was, it was crazy. They had like videos for all the songs and I just really liked their shit. So but I was too young to like really buy it, you know, because I was only like 10, nine or 10 when that yeah. shit came out, you know. So when I was able to buy my own first tape, I bought the release that was out at the time that I could find. And that was the crushing tape, and I that I bought that when I was thirteen. Was it harder to find rap records in stores at that time? Or? Um, I, I I didn't know the difference. I was young, yeah. so whatever I wanted, I could pretty much find it. So I, I wouldn't say it was harder. It was just like if I knew about something, I'd go and find it, and it was there. And it was usually at at Kmart. That's that's at Kmart was the place that I originally got my tapes from. So I was um, I would either buy. I I bought a couple. I bought. Like I said, I bought Fat Boys Crushing, and then I bought LL Cool J Bigger and Deffer, and then somebody stole my Bigger and Deffer. Ugh. So um, I went and bought it again, but I accidentally bought the uh, the edited version. Uh-huh. So then I gave it to somebody, and I went back and I stole it this the third time. I want to get my gun and shoot you in your mother face. Yeah, I know, right? The breakthrough, shit. That was a hard ass song. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, that's one I'm of my favorite. Because uh, I made the flex. Born to snap necks. Straight up and down. No special effects. Yeah, LL was the shit. But um, so this third time I had it, I stole it. And then I was like, oh shit, I can steal tapes. Word. So then <laughs> that came that became a thing. And I would go and steal tapes. And then um I actually was telling somebody the story, because I was in a group home then. I was in a, a shelter, mm-hmm. a youth shelter. Because I was in the, I was going into the foster care system, and um, I was actually explaining to this dude that I was like the master tape thief from from Kmart, and one of the staff people overheard it, <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, man!" Um, in addition to the fact that I started to kind of feel guilty about the fact that I was stealing when I actually had money, mm. um, and that's what I wrote the song. I want it all. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the third verse. I'm talking about um, used to go to Kmart and steal all the tapes of my favorite favorite rappers and built my collection up shame for not earning shit that cost and shaped the new path working hard was a second rush started doing odd jobs buying what i wanted became a man now i have bucks to flaunt it nice. so that was like you know that that was my putting that whole experience into rhyme form saying that you know i could steal i was really good at stealing but it made me feel better to say you know what i got money i work every day while I'm in this shelter and I can go and buy my own shit. So from that point on, I started buying my own clothes and tapes and all that shit that I wanted. Was it more about, <coughs> excuse me. <Go> ahead. <coughs> yeah. Was was it more about, you know, being self-sufficient and, and providing for yourself or was there any thought of like, also like, Oh, and I want to support these artists. I don't want to take from them. Or were you too young to even think <sighs> I was about? too young to realize that. Yeah. Like it wasn't about taking, like I wasn't like all oh, support. Like later on that became the thing, but it was like, like feeling good about, you know, being able to support myself was the big thing because, I mean, coming from where I came from, 
you know, I pretty much had to be my own parent anyway, a lot of the time. So, so being able to show that I was my own parent by actually buying everything I wanted was a really big step. And when I did stuff, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was doing it for the approval of other people. Like I didn't say I'm going to go and get a job and work and buy my own shit. So people could be like, Oh, look how fucking, you know, independent he is. It was my, I was always, I always have been and still am very intrinsically motivated. I'm, I'm, I'm very strong on being able to, um, having the ability to be self-motivated and do things because you want them to and not because there's some spectacle that tells you you need to do it or you're trying to receive some outside, you know, recognition from somebody else. Fuck that. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody can give me more recognition than what I give myself. And that's the dichotomy I'm in now. You know, like with, with the way I do music now and some of those conversations we've had about, yeah. you know, like, oh, man, I want people to like buy my shit and tell me they like my shit. And I want to be able to go places and have people, you know, buy my shit and be like, you're dope. But that's an opposite to what I've really grown up to do, you know, when 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 the situations were hard. I wasn't even that person before. So I'm like now and, and this is the first time I'm kind of putting that into context. I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, I mean for for us it's it's definitely like we're going to do things the way we want to do it because we want to hear it. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to make the records I want to listen right. to, you know, the statements that I haven't heard on other records. I want to do those kind of things. And I don't always think about how it's going to be received mm-hmm. until it's in my hands and I'm selling it. Right. And then I'm realizing, well, I really do hope people like it and get it in their hands, right. even though I didn't consider it once when I was making right. the project, you know? Right. But there's something to be said about, there's also another level of that where you say, I worked hard at doing this and you feel a sense of pride yeah, and you do want some gratification from outside of yourself for that, that work too. So that's the thing that I, I think that really, irks me the most about my situation it makes me it just i'm really always trying to find the balance of how much do i want this to be something that's gratifying to me and then the other part is how much do i want people to give me the gratification of going out and purchasing it and buying it and telling me that i'm their favorite artist you know it's, it's a really when you do what we do man it's, it's a really hard hard line to walk you know, and it's like you can be on either one depending on the day. Yeah. You know, you can be on either side of it. But I would say more of me is probably into the idea of pleasing myself first, because if if I wasn't, then I wouldn't. I mean, I would have changed and did some commercial bullshit a long time ago. I mean, because I feel like I have the talent. I have the talent to fucking. You know, like I can't sing as well as Drake, but I if I had somebody to kind of make those kind of beats and help me, I could write pops. I can write poppier songs. Sure, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I can rap good enough and write good enough and I have enough tonality in my voice and I'm creative enough that I could do some poppier, catchier shit. It's just I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to sleep, you know, knowing that I just made a record about bitches and hoes and I don't believe in bitches and hoes. And and, you know? and records aside for a moment, if you think about live shows, I mean... There's a difference between interrupting your creative process, you know, to cater to somebody else. And then when you are like, you are the best person that I've played with at reading the room Mm -hmm. and adapting on the fly. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you have enough material. I have enough material where if we're playing a certain kind of bill, 
You know, we can go, all right, well, I'm not like compromising myself just to choose different songs from my catalog that will appease this audience. You know, we talked the other day about an all ages show where people, where this, this family's present, it's kind of adjacent to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, we both have sets that we could do for that. That's not our regular touring set. This is Mm -hmm. not what we would do, but, but we want to go out there and kill for those fans. Right. We're not, you know, up there doing karaoke covers or something. But but we could do that. We you could, know? yeah. And and a step further is I think you're better at doing that actually in real time. Is you'll go out there and play something and go, you know, whereas I might like cut a song if I think that like, okay, this seems to be going all yeah. right. But I know if I do that four minute rant on religion that I'm going to lose them and not get them back, you know. See, and I ain't cutting shit. And I'm just replacing it. Yeah, but you, yeah, you, you know? do a good job of like flipping it. Like right. if, if they're not responding, whatever, and we're in California, you know, you'll do the beat from G thing or something mm-hmm. and then do your song over it. You know, just yeah, so right. it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going to buy them in with this and then here's the, the here's set, me. you know. Here's you know, I, th- I think it's cool, again, separate from the albums where we're going to do what we're going to do, mm-hmm. um, being able to draw from all of that right. to construct something in any situation, I think, is a really valuable asset. It is, and and, and I, um, I'm proud of myself for being able to, to do that, and the medium I've chose to do it with is because I beatbox, you know, and I make all my, I don't write set lists out. Like, I wrote one, um... I kind of put something on my phone when I was in uh, Phoenix, a few, mm-hmm. you know, when we did that one. And then I looked at it the next day, and then I was like, what am I doing? This, no. <laughs> like, like, I tried, you know, and I, and, and I wrote it out on my phone, and, and I, I even, you know, set my phone, because so, I always have it on, like, uh, on automatic uh, rest mode. Mm-hmm. Like, after two minutes, it's supposed to rest, because I'm trying to keep my energy going on it, and I don't have to plug it in as much. But um, I still haven't turned it back. You know, yet so not right. Right now, it's like it doesn't turn off, so I have to remember that. And then I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, I'm only at twenty percent. Oh, it's because I didn't. I don't turn my phone off anymore because I thought I was gonna have it off. So you I ha- you use had it set. on for your set list. Yeah, but I don't even fucking use the set, so yeah. I gotta I gotta remember. So remind me, be like, yo, dude, change the setting on your phone because you're not gonna <laughs> use the set. You know. Yeah. But um, I like doing that because it allows me to read the room, and I think I learned that on the atmosphere tour. It, that was the best place to do it at, and I think. I got a taste of asking people what they wanted mm-hmm. and then getting the gratification of actually giving them what they wanted. Yeah, I've seen you like, straight up do dope. that. Like you do yeah. a couple songs, maybe one from the heart, maybe one hardcore, maybe one kind of funny. And then you'll be like, yo, what do you guys want to hear? You want some of that hard stuff? You want some, some stories? Shit, or yeah. yeah, some grown man shit, you say. And, uh, you know, people straight up yell it back. And yep. it's like, all right, let's do it. Right. You know? Yep, and it's a, and a lot of times I give them a little grown man shit first, and I'll be like, "This is some grown man shit." And I'll do it, and I'll be like, "So, do y'all want to hear some more grown man shit, or can I, you know, do some like talk shit, some hardcore hip hop?" So yeah. Y'all want that rugged shit? Y'all want some talk shit, funny shit, or do you want some grown man shit? And what, or do you want to cover? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm like I I I'll offer you four fucking things. You know what I'm saying? And like, I think that's dope. I think that's a really cool you know, ability to have with, with a crowd. And, and I learned it with atmosphere because I didn't really know what I was going to get into. I didn't know what they wanted to hear. I know slug has a lot of very heartfelt songs that people like, and I'm like, I don't want to be up there just talking shit the whole time when there's people (laughs) who want, who who are coming here to hear some grown man shit. So that's when I started doing that shit and I dubbed it grown man shit. And I'll be like, y'all want to hear some story. Y'all want to hear some personal, like some, you know, and I did songs that made people cry. And I was like, this is it. I got it. 
I fucking figured it out. And I figured it out by like the third day of the atmosphere tour. It was like second or third day. It was like, yeah, I got this. Dude, I always you know? feel like that. And me and should I use stage names? Yes. Me, uh, me, and, abil- <laughs> me and abilities the other day had that conversation too of like, because man, I finally feel like I got my set dialed. Yeah. You know, we had three shows under our belts and now it's like I worked out the kinks. And like, I've always told people the same thing, like three days, you walk in with a set list in mind you play it a couple times, you know, you cut something, you add something, you change the order, whatever. And like, then you're in a groove, right? you know, and like, unless there's something weird and you feel like you do need to play on the fly. Like a lot of times for me anyway, I get that momentum of just like fucking go out there and just mm-hmm. destroy, destroy, destroy. That same set is a really good groove for me to get into mm-hmm. on the road. I don't know. Cause like when I'm at home in the studio, it's a lot more spontaneous and out there, there's something about a consistency that enables me to not think at all about the songs that I'm playing, mm. you know, and just and just give them the energy, you know. That's dope. Like if I'm not conscious of like, oh, I changed this in the show tonight or whatever, I feel like I'm better at just going out there and fucking, you know, delivering and interacting. Right. You know. See, yeah, and uh, and all that you're talking about, that's that's dope. But I'm. I'm partially you know i'm glad that i don't have to really go through it like that it's yeah. kind of like oh man i can't do this tonight because maybe i shouldn't it's like nah i'm gonna just see <laughs> what you you want this you want that you want that okay maybe you don't you know and and I, it's for this tour it's been really cool like the one show we did in oakland i think that was the best one so far and i think it's because i went in with that preconceived notion that it seemed like the crowd was a little it was a bigger crowd and and they really like ideas. Like yeah. that's some introspective shit. He had some battle shit, da, 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 whatever. But more of what he's known for is that, that introspective shit that like stopped people from committing suicide and shit. Yeah. That Oliver Hart you know, stuff. That Oliver Hart shit. By the throat stuff. Yep. So yeah, that was, that was really, and then not only that, you, the, the, the set you did before and the two songs you ended with were super deep. And I was like, I, I want to continue this. Yeah. And I'm coming up right after you. It wasn't like it was like 10, 15 minutes where they had to, it was like three or four minutes. Yeah. Like I was ready to go. Like, let's keep it moving. And I got to kind of pick up where he left off. Just, so I started off. build off of that mood. Right. But I gave him a little bit just, just to show him, you know, like some hip hop shit. Like I yeah. did that ring the alarm, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, that shit. And I think that's just kind of to get people's attention. I didn't say anything. The only words I used the whole yeah, time. I noticed that, that you did just like a, an intro piece mm-hmm. where you're just showing sometimes. them what you do and you did your little vocal scratch and stopped it and was like, my name is Carnage Execution. I'm like, fucking hey, that was cool. Yeah. And then I went into some real shit after that. It's like, I, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get some beatboxing. You're going to get some fucking made up beats and some shit that you can kind of dance to. And then now let, let's talk about the man of the hour. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like that. that's a really cool position to be in, to be able to do that. And like in those kind of situations, I don't even introduce myself. Like yeah. you see, I didn't say, "Hey, I'm car." I got on the mic and did the beat first. Yeah, like there's so many different wait. Like I did that with atmosphere a lot. Like mm-hmm. I come out and I go, boom, 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 because they're they're not they're not even used to that. People aren't used to it. like they're used to rappers coming up to me like, "Yo, what's up? How y'all doing? Are y'all feeling it tonight, man?" Yeah. It's like, nope, nope. I'm I'm fucking cutting out all preconceived notions of what you think a hip hop show is supposed to run like. 
and I come up there and I'm like, I'm not telling you who I am until you see what I do. Now I got you. Now yeah. I tell you my name and it means something. Because what? who gives a fuck who you are when they don't they don't even know who you are yet? You For go sure. up there and you're like, hey, I'm fucking God. And they're supposed to like care. It's like, no, give them a reason to care. Like, I want you to care because I'm fucking ill. Watch. Yeah. So I show you I'm ill and then I'm like, guess who I am? And they're like, all right, cool. I fuck with you now. When you I know? was uh, out with Double Dragon on my last couple tours, um, I noticed that Danny, their producer, would do this solo routine on his machine, and he would sit on the edge of the stage on the front dope. and play it for people live, and they, you, know, so you could dope. see him doing the drums and melody and the strings and all that shit live, and I uh, I pulled him aside. I was like, yo, you guys got to open with that. Yeah. Like, oh, he it, was just doing, he would. It was, it was like the centerpiece of the show. It was kind of in the middle, and I was like, uh, no, no, no. I was like, you got to start with that. Start it. Just don't say anything and just do that. And because I was like that notice every time you do that, people walk over and they're filming you with their phones and like that everyone's paying attention. Shit, right he's away. doing the same thing I do. That's yeah, so dope. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, you guys got to open with that shit and then go up there. And their mm-hmm. their their song that they put after it, which used to be their opener, was like there was a gap after the first chorus and skeptic would always go. My name is skeptic. This is Danny G. Mm-hmm. We are Double Dragon, and then it would bam right back into the beat, you know. And it worked really well. But I was like, no, do the intro first. Yep. Then do the song. Don't even fucking has, say anything. Yep. Introductions and like, yeah, perfect. And uh, perfect. yeah, those I felt dudes like, got it right. Yeah, yeah, they got sets it right. were killing after that. They got it right. And I mean, and the song you come with after that has to be good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. After you introduce yourself, but the initial coming in and doing something that people are not expecting is the way rap shows become better than a regular rap show yeah. and that's what i'm seeing as an issue man like i'm gonna just be real with it call me an asshole cocky arrogant whatever you cocky arrogant asshole Sorry. motherfuckers can't perform yeah. and i'm tired of that shit i'm tired of them fucking it up for motherfuckers who actually get on there and do that shit like me and you yeah. because then clubs don't want to give us no money because they're used to dealing with bullshit rappers who are assholes who, who are rapping over their own beats and using their cell phones and, and yelling at the sound men not calling them by their names and having all of these orders barking at people it's like that fucks it up for people who come through and actually kill the shit so it's like I'm, I am going to be a jerk about that and be like motherfuckers get your performance skills up get them up I'm tired of that shit y'all are fucking and up the game you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to be hip-hop, but you're not fucking doing anything to further the art. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're by, by just getting up there rapping on your phone, you're not furthering the art. If you can't do anything that contributes to or furthers it in a direction that people don't normally see, why do it? Yeah. Like, I'm not making a new form of hip-hop up, but I'm furthering the view of what people should see when they come to a hip hop show, yeah. I am doing that. You're pushing and I the would, limits. I will fucking take credit for that shit. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like people see me all the time, and they go, "That was single handedly the best performance I've ever seen." And I'm like, "Yep." Yeah, I've seen tons of people say right. that. Right, and yeah. and and that's not because I'm a better rapper than fucking Twister. That's not because I'm a better rapper than Busta Rhymes. It's because Busta Rhymes is going to come out and he's going to do his hits and he's going to... he's going to have five dudes hyping him. Right, and you know what you're going to get. But when when I come up, I don't have any hits. Yeah, I have to come up there and make a hit in front of you. And there's something to be said about that. And motherfuckers who don't know who I am, who have never heard of me before, and that's what I judge people by. I've said it before. I judge a motherfucker by how well you can rock a crowd of people who have never heard of you before and yeah. you don't have a hit record. If you can't do that shit, then you need to go and do something else. 
You need to figure out like something else. Learn how to fucking backflip while you rap or something. <laughs> Do something else because just standing up there holding your nuts, talking about how fucking dope you are, and yelling at the sound man. Well, you come from work like this, motherfucker. That ain't shit. That's I don't want to see that shit. I will. I have been wanting to go up and snatch motherfuckers off the stage, Karis One style, because yeah. of that shit. Because I'm so passionate about this shit like that, you know. And I grew up around motherfuckers who was like, "Don't be a bitch when you see some shit." Like Mikey was like. If motherfuckers is whack, you tell them. I, I, I watched him tell motherfuckers they was whack. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, at that song, I said, and if y'all get mad at me for saying I'm dope, don't blame me. Blame Michael. Yep. Because he was the one who told me to tell people. He was like, you're the star. When you go out, you don't explain shit to people. You go out and you fucking do you and make them come to you. And I was like, damn, that's dope. He told me that on the first time I did my first solo set. He was like... He was standing in the front row. He was like, you got a 20-minute solo set? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. And he was like, come to my house. I'll help you put your set together. Nice. So fucking cool. I didn't because I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I was embarrassed that I didn't have a whole lot of songs. So I just put it together myself, but I knew he was going to beat her, and I knew I had to answer to his ass after that. Yeah. Real shit. This is a story that nobody's ever fucking heard. You know, like my first solo set idea was standing in the front row with his arms crossed watching me. Not in a way that was like policing me, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to look at him funny. It was no, like, but he's listening. He's listening. He's like, I want to hear some of the murderous verses that you were spitting me the last time I seen you last week or over the phone when I was talking to you. Yeah. And I did some of them, but they didn't come off in context. So when I got off the stage, he told me. He was like, here's, what, here's what's going on, man. He was like, do you use your own mic? I was like, nope. He said, buy your own mic. Hmm. You be beatboxing and shit like you want your own mic. You don't want to like smell people's breath. You know, I was like, cool. He was like, another thing, write some songs like you got a lot of verses. Figure out how to put them all together. Third thing, don't go up there and describe what your song is about. You're the star. Let them come to you. And I was like, shit. All he had to do was tell me that shit once. After that, I didn't perform for a while. I got some verses, a lot of verses, and then I got a DJ. And then I could do anything with a DJ because he could throw on records and then I could just like spit verses back to back and back to back. So I developed my stage set before I had a real stage set. I was doing shows for like two, three years without a record. Like and motherfuckers are like, you you ain't got no album, but you do shows all the time. I'm like, you damn right. And I started getting paid for them too. Mm -hmm. It was like shit, man. You know, like I was getting paid, you know, a couple hundred dollars to do shows with no album. So when I came out with an album, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready now. But then the, the the game had changed a little bit. You know, the game had slightly changed a little bit. So it wasn't the same. Like people weren't as readily willing to give that money. Yeah. And I think part of it was because rappers was fucking up the game. Yeah, the scene is a lot different right now. But know? motherfuckers fuck that up. It ain't just the people. It's the artists on the scene too. Like the level of dedication to pushing a higher caliber form of art kind of died with a lot of like underground rap you know what i'm saying like it's either shitty underground shit now or super popular commercial motherfuckers yeah where as before there was a middle ground there was the me and you the where you and i were are right now was a spot and it was a good spot i agree man like yep. like these shows that that we're doing now or or even even go back like a couple years when we did the showstoppers tour mm-hmm. like think of how well that would have done if it was you know, seven, eight years right. earlier right. or right. something. Like, oh, we, we'd have been superstars. Know, we'd have been packing out those you know? rooms. And the thing is, I wasn't doing exactly what I'm doing now then, but I was still performing at a high caliber. Yeah. Like 
the dudes from Rhyme Series would come up to me and be like, you kill shit live, dude. You just need an album. That's what they would all tell me. And heard my mixtape. He was like, your mixtape sucks. You need songs. Like, you're already one of the better rappers. And from Atmosphere told me this. Yeah. So when he told me my shit sucked, I was like, he's never going to tell me that again. Next time he sees me, I'm going to destroy the set live. So then he's going to be like, I want to help you do a record. Yeah. That's what he did. He saw me and he was like, I want to do a record with you. Nice. It hasn't happened. We didn't do it. But we talked about it. And it was my live performance and what I was doing with the songs I had at that point that made him say that. Because before that, he was like, can't fuck with you. Can't, can't really fuck with your shit. Same thing with the, the Sadiq from Rhyme Sayers, like the, the CEO. Yeah. It was the same thing. He was like, you destroy live. You just need them songs. You know, Brother Ali, you destroy live. You're a great MC. We want, we want to hear more songs from you. This is what those people would tell me. You know, so it was like, now they can say whatever the fuck they want, but they're not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to say that. They can say, I don't like your songs, and that, that I'll be like, that's a taste thing. But now I'm not taking advice. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to. Now I'm giving advice. You know what I'm saying? It's like, nope. Now I perform at that level, and motherfuckers hit me up for advice. Hence the show saver. That's how that song happened. Mm -hmm. People actually hit me up asking me shit. Like, how do you get your set like that? How, how, how you know, what is some advice you, you can give me on making my shit better? One of the things I said is, um, like that one line, of, I don't know if you remember it, but I say, um, um, I've given lots of advice and some people took it rough because they're believing just being good rappers is good enough. Yeah. Fucking great line. You know what I'm saying? And that's real. Like some people was like, fucking damn, what, what you think you are? It's like, they didn't tell me that, but I know they're probably thinking that. Yeah. But being good is not good enough. You have to be better than good. So there was that. And then I say the other one, I was like, um, um, uh, yes it's cool to hear people say that brother can rap but you should also learn to do something other than that Yeah, it's like yeah now my advice would be get a skill that's outside of just rapping because that, to me that's not cutting the mustard anymore you know like Ant said something to me because he saw me do something other than just rap he was like not only were you fucking killing the stage show you have stage presence but you were beatboxing, which I've never seen live like that. You were looping it. So that's three things already. Yeah. Your rapping was great. Your rapping live was great. And you were doing an easy E cover set. That's what he saw me do. Oh, yeah. The tribute. Six fucking things. Six levels of gratification that I got from Ant. Right there. Like, he was like, I've never seen no shit like that in my life. That is, he came up to me. Like, he was looking for me. Like, I was standing on, I was standing over on the side just talking to the homie. And he was like, man, I never, and all I had then was the, the, the little, the, the boss RC20. Mm -hmm. That's all I had. He was like, man, I ain't never seen no shit like that. He was like, man, Ant was just like, yo. And I was like, where's Ant? And then I turn around and Ant was like, he's walking and he goes, you and he pointed at me and i was like what and he came up to me and he got this close to me like he was like probably as close he was probably got as close to me as you can get without fucking like me smelling what he had just eaten and he was like that was single-handedly the best show i've seen in five years nice and i said you you, you want the real story you want you, yeah. you want this okay i was like motherfucker you tour with brother ali and he goes <laughs> brother ali can't do that that's what he said. <laughs> I was like, well, nice. I didn't say that. That's what he said. You know what I'm saying? And that ain't the first time that somebody has said something to me and I've been like, 
Show stealer. Yeah, I, I, but but like I remember when I met um Lewis Logic. Yeah. He came up to me and this was in 2005. I was I was having like I hated the set I had just done. I had done it with my boy Concentrate and the CD was skipping. It was horrible. And um I was just pissed, you know. And he comes up to me and goes, "You are the best performer I've ever saw in my life." And I'm like <laughs> and I was I was like, "Man, why are you fucking with me?" Cuz you know I'm I'm like Cause I you don't, felt like you had a bad I night. don't really yeah, and I don't really have a filter. Like yeah. I'm not going to be like, "Oh man, I was like, "Man, why are you fucking with me?" That shit was bullshit, man. <laughs> that ain't even cool for you to fuck with me like that. He's like, "No." Your boy wasn't feeling him, but you are the fucking best performer I've ever seen. That energy, I can't even fucking fathom where you get that from. And I was like, dude, you're, you're fucking with the demigods, dude. You're like, you fucking rap with apathy in them. He was like, apathy in them can't do what I just saw you do. And I'm like, shit. So that was like the first time I had heard that from yeah. him. And then I heard that shit from, from Homeboy. And then one time I was in the studio and I was recording I did uh, the verse for fucking um, High Respects. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard that song, that Tongue Slinger song. I'm not sure. Oh, my God. Like, I had this part on this verse. I was like, uh, rap, rap, and it's uh, spat, intricate crap, sentences, that, menacing, blast, interests, laughing at this, trashing the shit, mention the sense, stint in the dense, preventing the dense, advance, at fat chance, you pass when it hits, or something like that. And then I was doing that, and the dude was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> Like the engineer was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then I came out and I was like, I want to do that one part over. He was like, why? And I was like, because, you know, it just didn't feel right. And he was like, I've never seen anybody perform like that in the studio. I'm like, dude, you fucking record Brother Ali. And he goes, Brother Ali ain't never did that, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and I'm like, and I don't I don't put, put people's names out there to, like, get gratification. I give props. It's like, no, you're recording and performing with and doing shit with high caliber people. Yeah. Like, you can't begin to tell me that this is real like that i'm really performing at a level you've never seen in your life when you perform with when you do shit with these super super high caliber talented well-known well-known well-backed individuals and what i'm finding out is they that's true you know it's it's true now i believe it well there's there's a difference like we're talking about advice and stuff i mean people look at studio recording as a different thing but if you take it in its most literal form and like what it was 50 years ago, mm-hmm. it's a record yeah. of that moment of that song, right. you know? And it's so much more about the performance than about all the layering and punches yeah. and all that shit. Like, if you listen to my records, there aren't any backup vocals or, yeah, or punches that. or like, like in the choruses, yeah, but yeah. that's it. Yeah. Like, when people come in here, the first thing I tell them was like, all right, now that was clean, but. Let's do it again, and I want you to picture that you're on stage, mm-hmm. and that it's a packed house. Yep, and that you're who's your favorite artist? And they'll say someone. And I'll, he's an you know, And I'll say, I'll say you're opening for him, <laughs> yeah. and he's watching you, and you're and you're in front of his crowd. Dope. You know, go out there and sell that fucking song like it's that. You know, like it's close dope. your eyes and don't. You're not here at the mic. You're on stage. You know, and and do it like that with that kind of passion, and. Night and day difference every time from first take to second take. That's great advice. Because people you're don't the show look saver. at it that way. You're the show saver. In the studio, you're saving somebody's show. That's real shit. And, 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 when, and when they perform at that level and people hear it on that record, they're like, man, that was dope. They should be like, yo, this is what Sammy told me. 
you know, and, and that's kind of how I view it when I'm I'm doing my shit. Yep. I'm like, when I see when I do the show and then somebody comes up and tells me that that was the best shit they ever saw. I'm like, I remember somebody told me that that was the best show that they had seen in five years. I'm like, I learned to not be so quick to like back away from it. Now I'm like, I embrace it. Yeah. And it's not one of those things where I'm like, yeah, ain't nobody fucking with me. It's more like, all right, I got to keep living up to that. Yeah, I got to keep every time to yourself. Exactly. Every time this motherfucker see me, he's going to be like, I didn't see the same set. Every time he brought it, there was 50 people here. He brought it. There was five people here. He brought it. There was 500 people here. He brought it. Either way, they got to say that. And if they're not saying that, then what the fuck am I doing this for? Yeah, there's no reason to be doing it. So I really got the blessing of being able to perform in front of people who were really big in my city. And they were telling me that I was ice with it. They was like, you got that shit and i'm like word so now it's like you have to do a, a, a pretty pretty large amount of uh whatever to to rattle me yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying like well I, I agree with you like the if if you get negative reactions or something um i you know i'm i'm a sensitive person i'm prone to like getting stuck with that but then like my instant thought process is like all the people i go through the list in my head of like right. Or like, you know, ideas that I was the dope. people who Carnage told you, you were real. Dope. Yeah. Mike and Nine said I was dope. Lewis Logic told I was dope. You know, so like I go through the you list in my head to yourself, and I like yeah. remind myself, like, okay, okay, all I right, remember cool. This. Fuck that guy. He yeah, doesn't right. know shit. You know, <laughs> he's on his like, own dick. For or no like, reason. remember all the other people that came up, you know, to you right. that night and told you you killed it. Like, forget the about the, yeah, the lady right. that was yelling during my set in L. A. Could have could have ruined my set, but it didn't. Nah, you came back you real know? nice. Yeah, I feel bad for you, and I almost went up there and was like, "Yo, can you get the fucking big mouth? Yeah, chick, like put get her out of here." <laughs> <laughs> you do have a filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be a nice guy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But it was like she was out of line, and and when you said, "Well, idea told me I was dope to my face," I was like, "Ooh, nice comeback, <laughs> nice comeback." But it didn't shut her up until she got kicked out. But it yeah. was a nice comeback. But um, like that that whole thing is just like you really have to own it, and I've learned to own it. And if somebody tells me like that was like Ari the Rugged Man, he was like, I, "Your style is like what the fuck is that style?" Like when he yeah. saw me perform, he was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "What do you mean? What is that?" He was like, "Like your your flow is like something I never really." heard that like that and i was like well here's who i grew up on same motherfuckers as you yeah. you i heard you you know g rap super lover c ll big daddy kane slick rick rock him all that shit and he was like yeah but like <laughs> and then he goes yeah but your flow was like it's like it's like before all that it's like before I'm like, what, before Rock Him? But yeah, like, <laughs> that's what I'm just telling you what he said. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that's what he said. He was like, like, your shit is like before that. It sounds like it came before that. And I'm like, that's a fucking huge compliment. When well, you put Rock Him in a sentence about somebody you were influenced by, yeah. and the motherfucker goes, but, but yo, your shit sounds like it came before that. It's like, oh, and that's because it's an amalgamation of, of all those styles. Totally. It's, it's Scarface. It's, it's fucking Tretch. It's, it's fucking Chino XL. It's like, and everybody they were influenced by. Like I heard them, and I was like, okay, that that intensity that Chino XL raps at, and he raps really fast for that intense moment. I gotta learn how to do that. Tretch, same fucking thing. And Chuck D is my oh, favorite. Yeah. Like bringing it from the fucking nuts. You gotta rap like you got a pair. Well, I think also the like some of your non-linear patterns and stuff 
they're a lot more technical mm-hmm. and advanced, but I can see that Chuck school of thought in that yeah. the like the message overrides the format sometimes. Yeah. You know, and you're gonna say something um in a in a really unorthodox way, but it's gonna be more powerful almost because you did that. You right. know? Like because yep. he was good at that. Like if you if you just sit there with the with the lyric sheet and read along to takes a nation or something. It is the weirdest way yeah. that he lays out his lines. I mean, it's not just like A B A B like no. everyone was doing. Like it, I mean, it's, it's bring it, the noise. Get from in front of me. The crowd runs at me. My DJ is warm. He's ex. I call him Norm. You know, he can cut a record from side, side to, to side. side. So with the ride, the glide should be much safer than the suicide. I'm like, what? Like you said that? Yeah. Like what the fuck is that? Uh, bees for Yoko Ono. Be uh, Run DMC for said the DJ couldn't be a band. Get you off your feet. Something something. As well, like, and he would rhyme every once in a while. He would rhyme. He was good with internals too, no, but then he would break good. off of it. Uh, together at Will Sell, time for me to exit Terminator. Exit. It's like that, that it, dude, Chuck D. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And he was like the the one of the original like fast rappers, but didn't need to be super technical. Yeah. But it was technical. Like Rebel, Rebel without a pause. Like some of those sentences are, aren't supposed to work. Yes. How you start a song with yes. <laughs> like when I first heard that, I was like, okay, this dude starts songs with one word. Bass. Yep, yep. How low can you go? Or like a, here it is. Bam. And you say, God damn, this is a dope jam. It's like, here it is. Bam. Yes. The rhythm, the rebel. Back. Caught yeah. you looking for the same thing. It's he like, had a oh, signature, man. I'm telling you fucking Chuck D is the truth. You know, and when when I heard Rebel Without a Pause, I felt like even at an early age, it was so unorthodox. Yes, the rhythm, the rebel, without a pause. I'm lowering, but he paused before it. Yes, the rhythm, the rebel, without a pause. I'm lowering my level. level. The hard rhymer, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling? You know, it's time again. D, the enemy, telling y'all to hear it. They play the music. This time they play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show. Bum rush the sound. I made a year ago. I guess you know. You guess I'm just a radical. Not on sabbatical. Yes, I make it critical. It's like, what? I was like losing my mind and plus his <laughs> voice. The voice. Yeah, Radio. Suckers never play me. On the mix. They just okay me. I'm like, what the fuck? What is this? Like, that whole song just fucked my head up. From the moment I heard it, I was like, Oh my God, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I need to listen to. This is what I need to aspire to be like right here. So was that when you actually started rapping? Yep. We've come full circle now. All right. Well, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so so it was like I wanted to rap when I heard Super Lover C. So I kind of wrote this little verse. But Chuck D was a combination. Like he had that type of delivery, but it wasn't so blatant like Super Lover C. So Super Lover C was more like like his timing and his speed and his pattern was like, I liked it. It was dope. But Chuck D had a little bit of that, but he was more unorthodox. Yeah. And his voice and what he stood for. It was like, he was just my idol. He just became my idol. Like I heard Super Lover C and I was like, I'm going to write a rap. And I wrote this little rap and it was cool. And then I heard Rebel Without a Pause. I was like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And then I heard NWA and it was like, okay boisterousness with it like how can you get the attitude ice cube here's a little something about a nigga like me what never should have been let out the penitentiary how do you fucking start a song and say here's a little something about a nigga like me never should have been let out the penitentiary are you serious 
That, that that shit was just like that was Chuck D on another level. Yeah. But I never wanted to do it for shock value. I didn't want to be like fuck niggas, fuck bitches, and fuck shoot cops. And I didn't want to do that because of that. You know, that, like that was a little too extreme. No, I, I agree with you because like Cube, N.W.A. and Public Enemy were yeah. huge influences yeah. of mine because the energy, the and energy, the attitude, yes, and it had this heart about it that nothing else has. Right. It wasn't you know? necessarily always about what they said because I think a lot of people sucked their dicks a lot because it's shock value behind them saying the shit they said. But for me, for sure. it was like. No, the soul, the, the energy, the fucking, and Dr. Dre was good at making motherfuckers like come with that kind of energy. I'm sure he was telling motherfuckers left and right, well, yeah, do that take over. Well, and I actually like when, you know, cause I'm a, a little bit younger than you. When I was first getting into rappers, you know, it was like, um, you know, I had like Beastie Boys and Run DMC and whatever, um, oh, that dope. I got into like, you know, Coolio and mm-hmm. like that was Tupac, all good shit too. Yeah. Buster Rhymes, but Tupac and Busta had that energy, that voice, that, you know. The vocal presence. Like, yeah, like still, still like, you know, people's, people will debate whether or not like Pac was really one of the greats. But to me, delivery-wise, delivery-wise nobody yeah. was like, Nobody had that. that uh, Holla if you hear me. Yeah. You feel me? It's like, seriously? Like, you can really say that like that? And motherfucker, like, and he was like, probably like, what, 5'2 or some shit? And like little so ass dude with so much energy, so and he was like, he was good, man. man. He was good. He wasn't as technically advanced as like a Buster, but what he made up for with his intensity it's and charisma. his voice and shit and charisma, yeah, is it's is he's up there with any technical rapper. So I would take like he was an influence too. Yeah. Like all of that shit, like and then DOC. When DOC mm. came out rapping super and him and him and LL were doing it at the same time. It was like three rappers who were rapping really really super tight technical and fast but um there was a couple who were better at it so there was like ll and then there was a uh, jazz the dude the dude who uh taught jay-z how to rap oh he was yeah, at the yeah. same time him and ll were out at the same time and then doc dropped no one can do it better yeah. so this year in this year we we have 89 we have walking with a panther from ll cool j we have no one can do it better from DOC, and we have word to the jazz. What the fuck? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then a year before that, we had It Takes a Nation of Millions. And then that same year, around that same time, we had Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. It's like, seriously? And this is on the cusp of America's Most. Yep. And then America so, Most so came like, right out after yeah. it. America's Most came out, well, like that was 90, in 80, I think. 89 or 90. 90. Yeah. I mean, shit. Even his first song, God damn, is the mother. Yeah, the way, the way he, the way Ice Cube started a song. See, that's what was dope back then. It's like rappers knew how to start songs and grab you right away. Yeah, like him, Scarface, Chuck D. You know, like those motherfuckers knew. And then DOC was just even super the Beastie technical. Boys had those the fucking was a, legendary intros. Mutiny you know? on the Bounty. Here's a little story. I got to, you know, like come and on. on the cool check-in, set, set a, a stage on, on the mic. mic. And we're putting it on wax. It's the new style. Four, Four and, and three, three and like, two and one. Are you fucking serious? When I heard uh, the new style, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, because it was like, dude, these dudes, this is Run DMC on crack. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> it was it was great. I love the Beastie Boys. That shit was influential. You see, I can hit those tones like them guys. Yeah. Because I listened to that shit so much. Like, that's why RA can be like, yo, your flow is before. Because I got all that shit. I'm all I'm like the fucking gumbo. I, when people say oh, I'm a mix of all those styles, 
I really am. Like, I'm all that shit. I'm you know, all that Big Daddy Kane and all that It's funny. Sometimes I can hear a rapper for the first time and I'm like, oh, I, I, I like this guy. He's pretty cool. Like maybe we're playing a show together or something. Mm -hmm. But then I'll be like, oh, wait, his favorite rapper is this guy. And then I'll ask yep. him after the show. Like, and it'll be that guy. Well, how much iced tea do you listen to? Hey, were you really into Black Thought and the Roots? You know, and like, yeah, fuck, how'd you know? I'm like, yeah. Uh, you know, you, have, and, you and know somebody who actually sounds like Black Thought? I don't want to say, but yeah. That um, was, I mean, I, mean, I got to hear him then. I, I, uh, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> I uh, had a lot of people come up to me during the Illusionist years. They'll be like, yo, you got sound just like the Beastie Boys, but like punk rock, you know, it's fucking great. And but Beastie know, Boys were punk rock too, weren't they? Yeah, 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 they were. But like most people didn't dig into their catalog enough to actually know mm -hmm. that, you know. They think of License to Ill as kind of all of it which is what I found when MCA died. Everyone yeah. was like, wait, they have more albums? I'm like, you fucking anyway. idiot. Anyway. Man, they got a lot of shit. But like, yeah, we got people coming up to us all the time saying, Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great. They're my favorite. But like, man, I got to like educate myself because mm. I'm younger. You know, yeah. I didn't grow up in the same era of all the innovators. And so I had, I had Webb and I had Ogar Burrow give me, I was like, both of you, just give me a list of all the fucking classics, all the shit that I you missed. Did that. I did that with somebody too, Moody Black. Yeah, I did my homework. Yeah. And like in the course of like two years probably, I mean, I went through hundreds of CDs. I would buy like five on Friday and then I would trade in three of them the next week and buy five more oh, and shit. trade and buy and trade, you know, so I could afford to do it. You know, um, I was going through a lot. And so I don't necessarily know the words to a lot of those you know songs you know who they are. or whatever but like on some level subliminally i would play you know oc on repeat that week or yeah. whatever and be able to appreciate that style mm -hmm. you know i noticed over the course of that year i mean you go from the stuff i wrote on death proof to the stuff i wrote on death salesman and now it's a lot of death and now it doesn't sound like no, it's all yeah. different. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the same person. It's not like, oh yeah, this this is some Beastie Boy totally shit. Different. It's like, oh, I'm starting to sound like myself. Right now that I've gotten away from the one primary influence, you know. But I could, but I, but what you do now, like I could see you doing a song with Micah Nine, but if I hadn't heard you before, I couldn't see it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like I wouldn't see Micah Nine from when I heard you, when I first heard you. When I yeah. first heard you, I heard Beastie Boys, and I wasn't mad at it. Like I thought you and Evan were dope. Yeah, you came up to us after the set. Yeah. Yeah. But um I um I never would have thought from back then that like Michael Nine would be a person you would do a song with, but now I, I can hear why you would. I can hear why you well, would sound well, next dope next to casual like you did. You know, and I mean <laughs> you gotta get up pretty early to be, <laughs> be next to casual the right way. You know what I'm saying? And you did you did your motherfucking thing. Thanks, so yeah, man. it's that's that's what it's about, man. Like how do you take influence from somebody and make it your own yeah. without biting their style like i couldn't listen to you now and say one particular rapper you like couldn't but back then we could and sometimes i'll listen to verses that i did maybe a few months ago and haven't haven't mixed or whatever and i'll come back and listen to it i don't know if this happens to you because you've got such a recall <laughs> of verses but like i'll listen to something and i won't remember it yet like when we were making rare form and when we came back to finish it i was like fuck i don't I'm listening to verses that I I couldn't sing along to one word of it. Like no, it's been like it'd been a while, like a year or something. And what is that long? I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't remember it at all. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. It's like listening to yourself for the first time. But 
what I started to notice is that I can't predict myself where the verse was going. That's uh, a good thing. That you is know? dope. It's evolution, too. It's yeah. like you're not rhyming the same and doing the same thing all the time. It's like... It's serving the song, you know? Yep. And no, that's dope. Like you, got, you got to be able to ride whatever the rhythm is of the song and not, not have like a template that works. That's why that one song you played for me, the Durazo beat. Oh, whatever. Cerebral Cortex. That shit was so dope because it, there was no template. There was no Sammy template. Like, I've never heard you rap like that. And I was like, you see, I was over here like a dog with, with, <laughs> with my ears up and shit. Like, whoa, hold up. You know, that shit was dope. Like, I want to hear more of that. And I want to hear that from artists. Yeah. I want to hear, like, man, I hear so many rappers, you can tell how they're going to rap on every song. It's like, damn, man, does the beat tell you anything? <laughs> like, the beat be speaking to me like, motherfucker, do this. You know what I'm saying? And that's where we go back to push boundaries. Most of the shit has already been done before. So, what oh, yeah. do, like, why do we have to do the same fucking thing? I decided a long time ago that... There's going to be a million people that are... I mean, look at some of these like rap contests online. Like, There's going to be people that can spit far more like technically agile than me. Mm-hmm. You know, There's going to be people that have m- bigger budgets and labels and cosigns than me. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people that have all these things. However, no one has the same perspective that I have. Right. No one has my story. So if I can go out there and offer a skewed angle on something that maybe that concept has been done before, but you shift the perspective yep. to the other side yep. or some, or maybe there's two perspectives on one issue. If you're doing it like an issue, like a topical thing, I do that and a lot. you go, yeah, no, fuck shit. that. Yeah. I'm going to raise above yep. and big picture it. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull, you know, the left side and the right side and, and fold it all together and make a new, you know, Shape. angle on yeah, it. Right. You know, I like doing that kind of thing because I'm confident in my ability, but I also don't just go out there like, okay, my goal is to be the best rapper ever, right. and blah blah blah. You know, it's like I'm gonna be the best I can be, and I'm gonna or, give you something you haven't heard. Or is there something in in you saying I'm gonna be the best today, like? I mean, I learned to start saying that shit because it can help. Like, not saying that I'm the best ever, but someday, some days I'm like, I'm going out and ain't nobody fucking with me today. <laughs> and I think I have a good show when I do that. Yeah. And it, and it kind of comes off in a way that people like. And I get off stage and then they see that I'm not a jerk about it. But when I'm on stage, I'm like... If your favorite rapper is only rapping, tell him he needs to learn how to do something else. <laughs> I remember I started one of my shows like that, and I was like, I heard it back when I was listening. I was like, and then Andy was like, man, why do you always do that? And then I, <laughs> and I explained to him, and he was like, oh, I get it now. You know, I explained to him that, you know, there was a time where I didn't have a voice. There was a time where I was critiqued. There was a time where people compared me to other people. It's like, no, yeah. no comparison now. Now, if I'm gonna be, if there's gonna be some comparisons, I'm gonna be the one doing the comparisons. You need to learn how to perform. I don't. So today I'm gonna say, if all you're doing is rapping, you're fucking it up for everybody else. Do something else. Sorry, you know. Today I'm gonna be the asshole. But that's but, good because you know both of us at times in our careers have received that exactly. same kind of thing. You I know, got like, it. I, ha- I more than once. <laughs> like you came up to me when we first met in like 2010 and said, "You guys are good performers." You know. You 
because we had to follow you that night. I was nervous as shit. <laughs> no, we we had we had just opened for E and A, but then I had to follow you, and I was like, oh fuck. Uh, I was like, we got to come hard tonight, you know. So what was we, that at? That was at John Henry's, that little punk club. Ah, with, that that was the Easted tour you did. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we we went up there and we did the live band thing, you know. And I remember that. So I went first, and then y'all went. Yeah, and then uh, and then Easted. Um, yep. I think he was in there. I think we had the headline or something like that. But oh, okay. But in, anyway, we ended up going after you, and I, you know, I put that on myself. Like, all right, we're gonna play a really good show tonight, and. Um, and you know, you came off and said we were good performers. And a lot of people would say, like, "Oh yeah, you guys, you guys, live show was really good. They you went know, your live show was really good. Hmm. Your live show was really good." They kept saying your live show was really good. Me and Evan were like, "Fuck this. Yeah, we need to make our performances in the studio as as engaging uh-huh. as the live show. You know. Okay. So we took even that compliment as like that's dope. Like fuck, we need to step our shit up. Right. And sometimes people would say, "Oh yeah, the album was all right." But your I live show too. was really good, and I, so like, I still get it, that. You know, I still get that now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like and that still, fuels yeah. the fire for me. Still fuels you know? the fire because like, my next record is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I, I I've totally heard it. Get it. I mean, I've I've heard all the 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 beats and what you're working with, man. Yeah, yep. it's gonna be good. Yep. So I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to make people say, "Damn, that performance, that record was just as good as that performance." And unfortunately, I feel like. If I'm trying to just do that, I'm fighting a losing battle because I'm not on my record making all the beats with my mouth and performing them where people can see me in front of a big ass room. It's a so visual it's, show. So it's kind of unfair. Yeah. It's like I, I hate when people say to me, well, you know, your records just don't capture. It's like, whose does? Like when you do what I do, it's, it's, a, it's a show because it's a show. Yeah. When Buster Rhymes puts on a performance, he's putting on a show, but he's performing his album. I'm not. Show, yeah, just, totally. He's putting on a show that performs his album, and that's dope. I think it's dope because Busta Rhymes is a dope performer. But people say, well, he sounds like he does on the whatever. It's like, yeah, he he probably sh- should more close to. But like, I feel like when I'm doing it, it's different because the energy in a studio – I try to do that shit. I've tried to do that, like cra- some of the crazy sh- shit. And then you, my, my engineers have been like, yo, you're peaking. Too much. Yeah, it's like, oh, fuck. And plus, I don't want to just do, uh, I don't want to do a whole, you know, that crazy shit and then have to do a bunch of punch-ins. Yeah. Because at a show, like the adrenaline ain't even the same. Everything is different. I bet you when Buster Rhymes does those songs, he's not doing all of that in one take. That's probably like 10 fucking takes. No, I'm sure that all those major label dudes aren't doing it. But what I keep saying to people who come in here is do it. Do your full. Well, yeah. At, you know, but our full do, is something different. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when, when Buster Rhymes does that full, believe me, like when he's like, there's no fucking possible way a human being could rap that loud, that long for that, that amount of time. <laughs> And not fucking blow a gasket. I've yeah. tried it, you know, and and it's different. And I got a lot of energy, but it and it doesn't work, you know what I'm saying? But when I go on the stage, my thing to do with a performance is I don't want to give you the album. I want to give you another interpretation of my album. So now you've gotten two things: you paid for one, the album, and then you paid for the performance. If you can just listen to my album live why would you even leave your house yeah stay home and listen to the record i don't think that's i don't think that's a good use of people's time i want to be the one who gave you a reason to leave your house and you say you know what i left my house 
I, the babysitter, I paid $20 to get a babysitter and I paid $10 to get in this show. And this motherfucker like made it worth my while. And it's something to remember. Because, and it's something to remember. Like you said, it's not something that everybody else is coming through. Is right. Doing. When everyone else is coming through, usually you're getting, you know, this. the same presentation, you know, very similar thing. And I mean, so, yeah, you man. know, you're out there trying to, you know, break the mold, so to speak. Man, I've had some really good experiences too. Like even on the Atmosphere tour, when I went, and you know, another story, I'm gonna just tell you the real. Yeah, a few people came up to me and were like, "We saw you were leaving," and I'm like, <laughs> "What? Well, we've seen Atmosphere like ten times." Before. I said that to you. I've never seen. I Did said, you say that? I said that to Did you. you? Uh, on yeah, when I saw you guys in Portland oh, a, few, a, a few years back, like I I came up I because remember. you were on it because you know I've probably seen them like ten times. I watched a little bit of the set and was like, cool. And I got my fill, you know, I got to hang out with you for a bit after that. And then I bailed and you were texting me. I, I didn't get the text until I got home. I didn't realize you had gone up again and done the, oh, the freestyle at the yeah. end. So I missed the fucking, uh, yeah, yeah. the encore or whatever, because I was like, so. cool. I got to see Terrell, got to watch, uh, you know, I self and, you know, maybe, five or ten atmosphere songs i'm like yeah i'm feeling good i'm gonna mm -hmm. drive back to eugene tonight but yeah i totally was one of the people that said yeah, that man I, I heard that a few times and to me that's not like a, oh i just blew them it's that's a compliment that's, that's just me dedication saying, right and that's me saying damn if I, if I can get to that level where people say that like like i remember slug said one time he was like i got people trying to compete for my thing he was like why don't you try to compete to be kanye he was like why me mm. and i was i was like that's so fucking dope so for me it's like yeah if somebody tells me that i'm doing just as good if not better that night than who that highest person is at that point yeah then that's what slug was saying slug is like i'm aspiring to be kanye and you trying to be me what the fuck is that you know and i'm and that's what i'm like i'm like y'all want to see so and so do what you know do the same thing as atmosphere but i'm trying to make you say you know, you're, you're trying to see atmosphere, but I'm trying to make you say, you know what? You saw atmosphere, but now you're going to see me and you, you've already seen atmosphere. I want to give you something that makes you go, shit, that's the crazy shit I've seen tonight or ever. And, and that's uh, why when I said that tonight, I'm going to be the best. It's it's a different type of I'm the best. It's not like I'm better than I'm not trying to act like I'm better than slug. I'm saying tonight I'm going to be the best. Because I'm going to give these people something they've never seen before. And they've seen this a few times. And they like it. They love it. They should. Because it's good. Atmosphere is fucking amazing. But I'm Carnage the motherfucking executioner. Yeah. What? You're not going to see this again for another two years until somebody decides to fucking stop being a bitch and take me on tour. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't be, don't be scared. All you rappers out there who got those big budgets, who have decent shows, and you, 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 you got shitty openers because you want to look better. <laughs> because you're open not bring somebody who's gonna like up your game, man. And I'm I'm trying to come out there and up your game. Like R.A. the Rugged Man said to me. He was like, when he's he said to me twice, when he saw me the first time, he's like, that flow. Then he saw me again, he was like, that flow. And I was like, You realize I saw you before. You ever heard this story? Yeah. You yeah. told you told me a right. South by. Yeah, so quickly. I like it though. Yeah. So it was like <laughs> he was like, I, you know, I do I like your shit, man. That flow I've never heard. And I was like, Well, you told me that before when I opened up for you about a year ago or whatever. And he was like, Oh, in Atmosphere's town. I was like, Yeah, in mm -hmm. Atmosphere's town. Yep. Yeah. It's theirs. And um and he was like, So that makes you twice the MC because I told you this I gave you the same compliment twice. And I'm like, That's a pretty cool way of looking at it. 
And he's like, yeah, man, because you just killing them flows up there. And I was like, so what's up? Why don't we go on tour? Yeah. Why don't we do a Carnage and Ari the Rugged Man? Straight motherfucking hip hop all night. I'll do it like this. And he was like, nah, homie, I can't take nobody on tour that's going to like make me work harder every night. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker. And I, to- I remember I told that story when I opened up for him again later. <laughs> and, um, and, and You tell and, on stage? You motherfucking yeah. right. Nice. He's coming after me. I'm like, oh, yeah. all day long. I'm saying that shit. Yeah, and I and I did it during my introduction for show show stealer. Nice, so it was perfect. Nice, it was perfect. So I did it. I'm like, something, something. All right, the rugged man was like, yo, you gonna steal my show? <laughs> and it don't stop. And it won't quit. And I just go in, and I and and it was dope because I did my shit. I was back in the back selling mad merch and shit. Yeah, I heard all right, the rugged man after his first song. He goes. I heard that shit the Carnage motherfucking said. <laughs> and everybody was like, Carnage, man. He was like, that motherfucker's lying. I've never said that nobody was going to outside. I was like, man, I jumped over that motherfucking merch table, dog. I ran, I was, ran over there. I was like, you said that shit. You know you said it. You know you said it. I was standing in the crowd heckling him. Like, you said that shit, motherfucker. And people were like, Carnage. Ah! And I was like, yeah, you said that shit. Went back, sold some more shit. About 15 minutes later, he was like, yo, I want Carnage to come up and beatbox for me. Nice. I'm like, ah, yes. Yeah. I got up there and he was like, do you know my song, uh, Ride With Us or whatever, the Kubrick's thing? I was like, yeah. I do. And I was doing that shit. And yeah. then me and him were standing up there fucking beatboxing and rapping together. Classic. Because he had to respect me. He had to respect me. Then after that, he was like, you want to go and eat? So we all, me, him, and Afro went out and ate dinner nice. and shit. It was super dope. But if I was on some bullshit and I wasn't backing it up, would he called me up there? Would he took me out not. to eat? Yeah. No, he knew he knows this game because he's him. He does the same fucking thing. He's gonna do a song with Vinny Paz, and he's not gonna be the fucking weak link. Oh, right, not at all. Right, he's gonna fucking murder that. He's shit. gonna go out there after Tech Nine on a song and fucking. Oh my god, destroy. He, did he murk that shit or yeah. what? I was like, damn, after oh my Tech, God, he fucking killed that shit. Yeah. And then all his guest appearances were like that on that record. So for me, it's like that's. Why wouldn't I be like I'm the best tonight? That's why That's, you guys would get along is because you have that respect for always trying to one up the next guy, and not you know? in a way that's like in, it's in, like in a competitive, yes. but in a friendly competitive way. Yeah, you know? it's like what Kendrick said. He was like, "All those dudes are my friends, but I want their spot." When he did the control verse that everybody mm. fucking shit their pants about, he was like, "I love Aesop, but I'm trying to murder that nigga." You mm. know, I love Drake, but I'm trying to take his spot. I'm, t- yeah, you can't be mad at that because when G rap. And fucking Kane did a song together. Hmm. They were saying, yo, this motherfucker ain't going to make me look bad tonight. You know what I'm saying? When Rakim got on the, the fucking, when he got on the mic and he made that new style that nobody had ever heard. Yeah. He wasn't like, yo, man, MC Shan is going to sound better than me. He was like, nah, I'm about to do something that nobody's ever heard. And I'm going to be that dude for this. You know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. So I want to put that on you because I heard you say something. Well, you know, I'm trying to, yes, be the best. Be it. T- go out on the stage and be like. Carnage ain't fucking with me tonight, and I'll and I'll notice it and I'll love it and I'll be like, yo, you fucking killed me. Like when I came up, Phoenix. remember I told you the other night I was like, yo, I had to follow you, like at, at, in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, you came up to me right after, right when I was walking off stage and you were walking on. Yep, for Phoenix, and you were like, I have to fucking follow that now. Yep, you <laughs> killed that shit. I don't say that very often. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I when I saw Chesky, I was like, I would hate to follow that dude. Yeah, I would hate to follow Chesky. But, like, the way I felt in Oakland. But that's how it should be. Yeah, you know? but the way I felt in Oakland, let's go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to take your spot, Chesky. 
You know what I'm saying? And I think he's one of the greatest performers I've seen. Yeah. You know, but I, I want his spot that night if we perform. So I wanted your spot because you you set the bar high in Phoenix. I was like, what the fuck this motherfucker doing? Well, and that's really like I, I take that back to the Showstoppers tour because that was my last Illusionist tour and we were opening for you and it was like, all right, you know, we've done this a lot of times now. We have this new record, Death of a Salesman. They kind of set a new bar for us. Like, you know, we need to go out there. And, you know, you gave us equal billing on that tour. Mm-hmm. You know, the picture is all three of us. Yep. Same size. Yep. Names the same size. It was a showstopper story. Yeah, y'all booked it. Why you wouldn't know? I? And y'all, and y'all are yeah. dope. Yeah. And if so y'all were whack. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know? But, but we went, you know, we went out there and we took that seriously. And then after that tour, well, I was touring by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, I put it on myself that like, all right, You've done this enough times. You've shared stages with some of the greats. Like, you need to be, like, if it's going to be my name on top of the flyer everywhere I go, you need to be the best act on the bill every night. You need to earn it. And so I did, I mean, I did go through that. I don't even really, I'm not as conscious of it now. Like, I went went through a period Mm -hmm. of, like, you need to earn that spot. You need to be the best act on the bill. And so now when I go out, I'm not, like, as conscious about it but, you know, I've had that mentality a couple of years now that, like, I know how to go out and kill a show. I know yep. how to do that, regardless of if I'm first or last mm-hmm. or in the middle. I'm not going to feel bad about you or abilities going right. after me or no. whatever. Like, I, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up there and do my shit. And people are going to come up to me and fucking cry on my shoulder and hug me and stuff. You it was know? real. I, and, I know that I can do that now. And I'll tell you, you know? this. I saw you kill Phoenix. Yeah. And then I was like, I got to follow that. And I tried. You won. <sighs> now, that was your best. Okay. You won. I tried and I, I didn't beat you that night. Yeah. My best show was in Oakland. Yeah. So my Oakland, it took me Oakland to, to measure up to your Phoenix. So now my, my, my Oakland was the answer to your phoenix yeah because i didn't get it on it i mean i well you know i did pretty good and i, I felt like I, I got los angeles was pretty good too yeah la was great right that was a but good show. but f- there was something about oakland yeah. it just felt different because i did those songs that were more like i followed you up i was like oh yeah i'm gonna I'm even like i'm gonna even get the blueprint right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the blueprint is like you know shout out to al actually yeah the blueprint was you set the bar with the introspective shit at the end. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I got, when I tried to do it the other way, it didn't work. I came in and tried to fucking go balls in and I didn't feel right. It was like, mm, that, that was too much. So not going balls in is how I actually went balls in. Yeah. You know, like, some, but sometimes that's a bigger statement. Figure it out. Exactly. And I like all this shit to me is just super fun just as a music nerd in general. Cause it's like, you know, even back in the day, like I, there, there are certain like I've played a lot of shows with you. Mm-hmm. You know, but like you we're, haven't we're played. Probably, that was the first one that you played by yourself going before me. Mm, you know, no, like the, no, because I did the South by Showcase last year by myself. You didn't do it with Ogar? No, because I only brought him out because we had rare form. So and I, that I, one, I did you that. killed that one too. Remember, I told you. Yeah, I, yeah. To, I think that night I told you that was the best show I'd ever seen you do. You did. Yep. You did. I remember I'm that. Saying, yeah. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, it it's was. Like, it's like I said, man, it's like going going out there and doing those solo tours. It really made me step my shit up. He's like, I'm not gonna have Doug up there doing my. Or, sorry, I'm not gonna have Ogar up there doing my backup vocals. 
Not bringing Evan. You know, I'm not even going to do like an illusionist song. Right. You know, so, I'm going mean, to go up there material. with the new shit. Right. And and I'm going to sell it, you know. And uh, but all, all this like friendly competition shit is, is really, really fun and inspiring to me. And I like that we can nerd out after a set. And well, and the other thing is like, you know, we always talk about each other's sets in the van and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, on the first tour every night, you were like, yo, you need to do this. But that was great. That was great, but you need to do this. I ain't telling you, know, you like, shit now. You're doing things like that, you know. And after right. after that tour, like we, you know, we took that in. Like you were saying, uh, Ant yep. comes to you and says, "Yo, your show was awesome, but that album is right is bullshit, doo doo." Um, he's like, he said, "I'm not, I'm not hearing that feedback nope. again." And I was the same way. I was like, "All right, fine. I know what I need to do." Bam. And like I learned from watching guys like Blueprint, since we were just talking about him, that you can literally stand still yes and hold the energy of the whole room in your hand that's a that you know that's the mark of a like good performer that that was something because i was always the run around you know i grew, grew up playing in a band and thrashing my guitar around you know and and so that was the mentality i took to the stage but like there's something about just Standing having place and killing it like like i used to play uh this song called the end is inevitable that was like just a three minute acapella of just like some struggling artist shit it was from my Bears Repeating album. And I would play that in like the noisiest bar, just acapella in the middle of my set. And whoever wasn't paying attention the first half of the set would have set their glass down at the bar and like swiveled around in their stool and be watching me. And like I would hear rooms just quiet. Uh, gradually by the, you know, the first eight was done. Mm-hmm. They would hear what I was saying and they would listen intently to the rest of the song. And I would have a bigger share of the audience than the rest of the night. And I'd be like, fuck, like there is something happening in that moment. Was that your last the, song you said? Um, it was, no, it was you learn to switch it if it was. <laughs> no, it was my last song on, on the album. It wasn't my last oh, song in good, the show. Good, good, good. Okay. But like I started to see that happening and actually I used it because I would take that momentum when I had everyone and I put famous last words right after it. Bam. So then everyone yells, nobody gives a fuck. Like everyone sings along cause they're, they're in. But like that moment every night was like, fuck, I need to get the whole set to be that, you yep. know, like how can I get that moment in the whole, sh- you know? So it's like all these little learning opportunities, man. Yep. So that, that's why I say that about not going out there and thinking like I'm, I'm the greatest or whatever, but it's, it's going out there and knowing that these years of of mistakes and and lessons learned or whatever uh, that I have that under the belt, you know. So it's like I'm not I'm not sweating it anymore, right? Because yeah. if you go out there with that confidence and that, and not the experience, you, then that's just like arrogance. Yeah. No, you no, know? no, no. Now you can say it, you know. But but now it's it, like yeah. I I walk up there and and not even pay it any mind because I know what I'm doing. At this point, right. you know, but, but you know, there's nothing wrong with every once in a while just being like, I'm about to be that dude tonight. <laughs> you know, this is hip hop. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to like just perpetually give you advice, but I'm saying you will feel a slight difference if you do that sometime. Yeah. I, I don't know if you did it in Phoenix, but if you did, it worked because I, I was just like, oh, shit, this motherfucker. This motherfucker gonna actually do this to me? You know, yeah, right. And you see, I was intense, and I was like, "Am I gonna get cut off?" It was a combination of, "Am I gonna get cut off?" And I have to capture this energy that this dude left. Yeah, you know, he left this energy right here. So I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna even like segue into the DJs and then do the thing with the DJs." Oh yeah, yeah, was that dope. was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Good transition. Yep. 
So, yeah, good shit, man. Thanks for tuning in. This has been part one with Carnage. That means there is a part two coming. I drop a new episode every other Tuesday, so keep an eye out for that. Hope you enjoyed it. As you can tell, there's a lot of love and respect between he and I, and uh, I hope that uh, we continue to go out there and keep pushing each other to do better and better things. I want to put on a rare cut from the ENA mixtape back in the day. Check this out. Right about now, I want to bring up one of my local homeboy. Speaking of big shots, I think he's the biggest big shot in the twin motherfucking cities, to tell you the truth. Watch y'all make noise for my man Carnage. Any of y'all ever heard of Carnage? Yeah. Hey, for those of you that don't know, we're about to show you a little something about how to work these microphones. You got a microphone right here. Number two. Number two. Turn my man up right here. Yeah. We're about to just break it down on the freestyle tip for y'all. Just have a little bit of fun. <laughs> a little fun. A bit of really fun in there. <laughs> hey, yo. Well, I'm going to set it off since you just came up on my set. What? Every time I grab the microphone, I get respect. Uh -huh. Respect's not what I'm searching for. I'm searching for a check. Make you bob your head so hard until you break your shoulder. I'm so much doper than anyone you know. Colder than Minnesota. Winters of cold, so I enter the stage. And rappers try to get paid. Freestyling to me is more than a week phase. What? I've been doing this on Sundays and weekdays. I'm freaking, you can ask abilities, the DJ. Right. That's how it goes when I'm living on the freeway. My rhymes are so visual, it's like a screenplay. These rappers on the mic, my DK. Terrell rather might have rocked this shit this way. What? Everybody wanna hear what they go flow say. What? Everybody lock your way to blow the flow, yo. What? I need your inabilities in the house recording. Check it out, check it out. Yo, allow me to grab the microphone and start flipping some shit, ripping the shit in half, build the rap over rubber the psychopath. Fucking niggas up who be trying to step to the way that I be flexing, wrecking microphones. If these are we taking them out with a rubber flow, then I'll be spitting them with a wannabe boss. Wait, if these are we get tacked up with a track and smack and fucking them up, bugging them down with a little sound that I'll be displaying. If these be gay, but they take and they take and hang with the way that I'm flexing, the rubber sound that I rock, and I'm running for the motherfucking exit, checking what I rap. Deepest